We're going to begin our efforts to focus on our theme of living stones in a spiritual house this morning by turning together to our theme text of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and studying it specifically this morning. We're not going to talk a lot about 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5's place within the book of 1 Peter. We will save that for when we're going through 1 Peter, um, and introducing ourselves to the book and then working through the text. But I want to focus primarily on the topic at hand, living stones in a spiritual house. So, verse 4 begins, As you come to him. Now, one thing that I found interesting is that since the metaphor Peter is going to work with is that of stones in a new temple for the Lord, he uses a verb here that was the Septuagint's version of, or verb of choice for talking about how Israel would come near to the tabernacle or the altar to worship God and offer sacrifices in the Old Testament. It was the term that they would use to talk about priests drawing near to offer sacrifices. In Leviticus 9 and verse 7, the text says that Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people. The Septuagint was that renowned Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures that the New Testament writers quote from when they cite Old Testament passages. When you read a New Testament writer citing Old Testament passages, such as in the verses following our text this morning, more often than not, they're quoting from the Septuagint. So that's the text of the Old Testament they know well. And here, Peter's choice of words takes their minds back to the language that they would read whenever the people drew near to the original tabernacle and the temple or the priests came to sacrifice. And he uses that familiar language to describe Christians coming, drawing near to Christ, drawing near to a new temple. Only this time, as we're going to see, it is a house of God that they draw near not only to worship from a reverent distance, but to, in fact, be a living, breathing part of that temple for the Lord and to do the offering and even be the offering of spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as you come to him, as you come to him, so by coming to Christ, this is what they've become a part of. This is a part of the significance and the value of their faith in Jesus. Earlier in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Peter speaks to the magnitude of the blessings that we find by coming to Christ. He says in chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That gives you just a taster of when I say when these texts are just loaded down with material, just in those verses alone. Notice the use of the word living in verse 3. 
To be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable and unfading. As Peter is going to say in verse 6, the Christians he's writing, the elect exiles that are scattered around the empire, they're being grieved by a variety of trials and it's like a crucible for them right now. Such that their faith is being refined as gold would be refined in a fire. So, what do Christians facing persecution of one sort or another, or for our application this morning, any sort of difficult time, what do they need to be reminded of as they wear the name of Christ? What is most important to keep in mind above all? That it'll be worth it. And the reason going through those difficulties or suffering or even being persecuted for the the name of Christ is worth it, Peter says, is because their crucified Lord is a resurrected Lord. He is living. And since He is living, their hope is living, and their inheritance is imperishable. So notice the, the concept of living as it returns in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. As you come to Him, a living stone. So the houses of worship in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, especially Solomon's temple, They were ornate, they were beautiful and awe-inspiring to behold, but all of the materials from which they were constructed were nothing but cloth or stones or metals. They were finely crafted by skilled laborers, but they were crafted by the hands of man nonetheless. You You wouldn't find any living stones in Solomon's temple because stones don't live. And this Jesus... To which, and we'll talk more about this when we start working through the book, um, formally anyway. uh, This Jesus to which either these Gentile Christians or perhaps exiled Jewish Christians, no one's really sure. This Jesus to whom they've come is a living stone. Um, We're not going to take too much time to talk about it because it's in the verses to come, but he is indeed the cornerstone. And Peter implies that here in verses 4 and 5. He makes it explicit in the verses immediately following. He is the cornerstone of a temple that is far greater than any Hebrew or proselyte ever knew. Or at least that's who he is for those of us who have faith in him. And that's who he is to the heavenly father who sent him. Peter says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That sentence contains a contrast between the world's estimation of Christ and God's. And Peter warns his readers that coming to Christ means you've sided with God. And it also means that you are going to be opposed by others. So Romans 8 and verse 17 says, we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus says himself on the Sermon of the Mount, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say any kinds of evil against you because of me. That's precisely what they're going through in First Peter. And as Christ suffered... For the glory of God, if we wear his name, so will we. Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher. 
nor a servant above his master. If the teacher and the master suffer, so will the disciple. Paul, over in Romans chapter 6, describes us uh, our sharing with Jesus in both the good and the bad. So in Romans chapter 6, we share in Christ's death and burial and resurrection by being dead in our sins, being buried with him in baptism and being raised from those burial waters to live a new life. In the same way that Paul draws that connection between what happened to Jesus and what happens to us when we determine to follow him, Peter, using some different imagery, connects what Christ has experienced to what his followers are going to share with him. And the same way that, that Jesus was rejected in the sight of men, but in the sight of God as chosen and precious, Peter says to his audience who are also facing rejection, even sharing in Christ's sufferings, as he'll say in chapter 4, that they also have a divine evaluation that matters far more than what the world thinks of them. So the world judges them worthy of ridicule, Peter talks about in chapter 4. They malign you for the way you live. But God deems them worthy to serve him as priests, Peter will go on to say. Hebrews 5 says that serving as a priest or a high priest of the Most High God is an honor and a glory. And God has made us both temple and priests. We're both his dwelling place and his means of blessing others. But as Peter's going to say several times in this letter, any suffering or rejection that you endure for Christ, you've got to keep in perspective. First of all, because it's not the end of the matter. Peter says, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That's chapter 3, verse 14. He says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. That's chapter 4, verse 16. And then he also says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's in chapter 5, verse 10. So that's the first reason we've got to keep our sufferings in perspective, because they're not the end of the matter. The second reason we've got to keep uh, earthly suffering for the sake of Christ in its proper place is because Jesus was rejected, as we sometimes will be. But that rejection didn't speak to his true worth any more than it does to ours. So in the sight of some, Christ was worthless, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. Which is to say, the living stone we come to when we take on his name in repentance, confession, and baptism. When we come to him, Peter says we become like him. And not just in what we experience, but also in what we represent. When we come to the one who is the living cornerstone, we become living stones too. So let's move on to the second portion of this text, verse 5. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up a spirit, as a spiritual house. Um, I checked several of the English versions, mine and then uh, the ones that I know some of us use, to see if they portrayed perhaps the way Peter begins this verse uh, very literally and none of them including even some of the most literal do so because Peter's very emphatic here 
in his original uh, choice of words. So what I'm talking about, every single English version that I checked begins verse 5 with either the words you yourselves or you also. Um, just moving from Jesus now to, to Christians. In the Greek text, Peter emphasizes this connection. He emphasizes the similarity. He chooses two words that mean in English, even you yourselves. He wants to emphasize how amazing it is the fact that these humble, rejected believers, just like their rejected but precious and chosen Christ, have become living stones precious to God as well. Even you yourselves are living stones like Jesus. We're like our master because of what he's done. Paul says in Colossians 2 and verse 13, You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul also said, that God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And since we are living stones coming to the living stone, we, along with him, verse 5, are being built into a spiritual house. That is the word that is so often used to refer to the temple of God. And then, since Peter is, is soon going to be mentioning priesthood and sacrifices and coming near or drawing near, using that word again to God in worship, all in this sentence... I think that makes it almost certain that when Peter says a spiritual house, he has in mind the house where God dwells, the temple of God. So that's what coming to Christ makes us a part of. That's what becoming a Christian makes you a part of, a temple in which God dwells. And once again, Peter's not the only one that wants to work with this point from time to time to encourage Christians. Paul says over in Ephesians chapter 2, that then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's what we're talking about. Living stones being built up into a spiritual house, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. He says, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. The Hebrew writer works with this same imagery in chapter three, does so a little bit more loosely. Let's see if you can catch the thread of it. In verse one of Hebrews three. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful 
over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. The book of Hebrews is all about how what we have in Jesus Christ is better than what any Hebrew ever had under the Old Covenant because the Hebrew audience, those Hebrews, are being tempted to go back to that Old Covenant. And the writer there is explaining, no, 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 what you have in Jesus is so much better. Jesus himself is so much better. And that's what those few verses there are about as well. But he says, we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. I think that's sort of the perfect thought to lead to, a, to us to discuss the, the usefulness and the beauty of the theme that we have for this year. So, living stones in a spiritual house. That is not the most succinct and eye-catching phrase for an ad, from an advertising perspective. But from a pure, spiritual perspective, getting to be living stones in the spiritual house of God. That is as important and precious as being children of our Heavenly Father, as being brothers and sisters to Christ the King, as being parts of the body of which He is the head, branches on the vine, on and on and on. So being a Christian and being a part of a, of a local church, even this local church, and the work that you and I will do together as Christians and as a local church this year, it's not about having religion. It's not about, you know, I've been away from church for a while and I really do need to get back to church and take part. It's about this. Being a Christian is about being a dwelling place for the Lord and a temple in which he is glorified. Being a part of a congregation of Christians not to mention a part of the, the worldwide population of Christians is all about being living stones that are magnifying God as they are built up into and added to the great house of God that grows higher and grander with each new soul, each new year and generation. The spiritual house that continues to stand tall and strong and gloried because of whose house it is and points to the God who dwells in this spiritual house, to the God of all creation who alone is worthy. Peter says that's what coming to Christ makes you a part of. But not only do you and I get to be a part of this new temple for the Lord, we're also the priests who serve in it. So verse 4 and 5, as you come to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the same way that the temple was the place where animal and other sacrifices were offered under the Mosaic covenant in Christ, in the system that the Hebrew writer and even Peter as well says is better in Christ as his holy priesthood, you and I have sacrifices to offer. Philippians 4 verse 18 says that the spreading of the gospel and the support of the spreading of the gospel is one of those sacrifices we offer. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says confessing and praising his name is another. The next verse there in Hebrews verse, 13, or verse 16 excuse me, says that being sure to continually do good for others in Jesus' name, of course, 
is another way that you and I offer spiritual sacrifices to God. And perhaps it's Romans 12, verse 1, that summarizes it best when Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God and getting to be a part of his spiritual house and priesthood is most definitely a mercy. I appeal to you by those mercies to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is, depending on your version, either your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. It's reasonable service. It's what is to be expected. What is reasonable for those who've been shown God's mercy, who are a part of his temple, who are a part of his holy and royal priesthood, as Peter talks about. Presenting your very life as a living sacrifice is what is reasonable. That's what God deserves. And so, I'd like to close by reading from Psalm 96. If you want to join me there, I'll give you a minute. Psalm 96, I want to read verses 3 through 6. So Psalm 96, verse 3. The psalmist says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And notice what it says next. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Now over in uh, Revelation 4 and 5, we see a glimpse of God's true sanctuary there in heaven. Through Jesus, as living stones founded upon our living cornerstone, we're being built up into a spiritual house, which means we get to be God's earthly sanctuary. So as you and I focus on that this year, I hope we will take that specific aspect of our calling and the honor of it, the mercy of it, and determine that the strength and beauty of the Lord, his power and his glory is as much in his sanctuary now as it ever has been. It's a wonderful thing that we've got chosen to focus on this year from, I know we shouldn't pick favorites, but just one of the best letters in the New Testament. Appreciate everybody being here this morning. I appreciate your very good attention. If you are not a child of God, God invites you to become one of the living stones in his temple. And we would love to see you join uh, to the body of Christ, to the temple of the Lord, and to offer to God your life. Because it is what is reasonable. It's what God is due. If perhaps you are a child of God and you have not been giving or have not been living a life, uh, in such a fashion that your spiritual temple is, is, is worthy of the Lord who has made you into such. We'd love to pray with you as your brethren and encourage you to get, get back on the path of doing what's right, to study with you, to just be brothers and sisters in Christ who lift each other up. Whatever we can do so that we can all be living stones being built up into a spiritual house for our almighty God in the name of Jesus Christ, we would love to help you do. 
And I hope you'll let us know how we can help you while we stand and sing.